Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this podcast from the Placebo Effectus, brought to you in collaboration with The Medical Student, the online news platform written for medical students by medical students. For both our first podcast in this series and our first interview, we are lucky enough to bring you an interview with the Chair of the Junior Doctors Committee at the British Medical Association and the founder of The Medical Student, Dr Johan Malawana. Topics discussed include the potential for strike action, what impact the new junior doctor contracts would have on medical students, and how he sees the future of the NHS. The interview was carried out by two final-year medical students, Rob Cleaver, the editor-in-chief at The Medical Student, who you'll be hearing more from in subsequent podcasts, and myself. I'm Helena, the education editor at The Medical Student. Just a quick apology in advance for some of the background noise you can hear. Because it was recorded at the BMA, we had some microphone problems, and I really apologise in advance for the extra sounds although hopefully the ambulance siren adds a sense of authenticity. We hope you enjoy this episode all the same, and as always, please get in touch with your thoughts and feedback. So, in the event of a strike, um, how have you thought about um, the logistical aspects of it and how a strike may manifest itself? Well, um, on the record, we, uh, we're obviously in the middle of a ballot action, so we, there is, um, we will... Uh, have a result to that ballot on the 19th, or, well, the ballot closes on the 18th, we assume we're going to have a result on the 19th. Um, It will, um, so we need to wait for the membership to decide what they want to do. Um, In terms of how, uh, what flows out of that, if it's a positive yes-yes ballot, then um, we would end up uh, that's a decision. The ultimate decision for that rests with the Council of the BMA, the highest body of the BMA, um, and we will prob- we will release that information at the point at which we know what the result is, because that will dictate what we then next do. Sure. So we can't uh, at this stage. It's very hard to say exactly what we're going to do. You pr- we probably will see more information in the latter half of this week, um, um, but it won't give you all the details that what what that many doctors and medical students want to have um, but it'll give it'll, there'll be more and as much as fast as possible we're trying to put information out um, but it's constrained within a legal kind of framework so so plans are being made behind the scenes there's lots going there's on lots behind the scenes <laughs> yeah, so um, we, like in terms of plans we have to because there's a there's the legislation is such that you have to jump through hoops and uh, it's in, like the legislation is set up to not to effectively stop you you know, at any stage you can make a mistake and at that point an injunction, injunction can be brought against the trade union and so what you have to do is make sure that all of these hoops are jumped through so that you can then actually um, you can then if you want to carry on with the action then you have the everything signed off to do that Sure Is there anything that the government could do to encourage the BMA to reopen? Yeah, I mean we've been really clear from throughout this whole process that the um, our, my job is not to deliver strike action at all costs. My job is to deliver a, a safe, fair junior doctors contract, and that's the, the the case for the BMA and that's the case for the junior doctors committee. What we need to do is we need to see a government that actually is willing to engage in a meaningful negotiation. So that means not trying to impose a contract, not trying to um, to have a framework for that contract that is safe and is fair, um, and. And if we can get to that point, then obviously we would be um, we wouldn't be going down the line that we're going down, basically. And sort of playing devil's advocate um, for a while, um, if a strike does go ahead, if we're going with a, a being because of patient safety, 
<coughs> is it possible that by having a strike we're impacting patient safety for admittedly a brief amount of time? I mean, I think the question is whether the contract as outlined has an impact on the safety of of patients and it's like I mean the equivalent is like it's like a cancer right if you have a cancer and you don't do anything about it it gets worse and worse and worse um, and whereas if you do something about it in the in the short term the surgery is traumatic to the individual but actually in the long term it pre- it's preventative and so um, strike action is effectively in this in, in this in this scenario would be very similar in that we have a, we have very few options left we are backed into a corner and if we have to do this it will be doing this because there is no other option. The government has decided to impose a contract that is unsafe um, and unfair, and so therefore we have very little options left to do something about that. In the event of strike action going ahead, so we've already talked about how medical students could maybe work with the public to get them on side. If a strike was to happen, what can medical students do? Is there anything, any role that we could play? Um, I mean, I think the important thing to do is for, as a student is to, um, is to follow the guidance of your medical school. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want... So remember that the being a, um, a doc, an employed doctor and taking industrial action, you, you benefit from the protections that the, uh, that the legislation affords and it, the protections that, um, that being a member of the trade union affords. Mm-hmm. Students that don't, aren't employed and they don't have any other... They don't um, benefit from those protections. And in some ways, depending on what happens with action or whatever, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want a individual student to jeopardise their future. And so... In the same way that there are some doctors that are, have visa implications, and you know, and that can have an implication on their and, and industrial action could have an implication on their ability. If they took it, it would it might have not just an impact on their employment, but could have an impact on their visa. The advice that I would give to students is exactly the same: that if it has any impact on your um, education, then I wouldn't necessarily. I'd want them to protect that first because there's no point doing all of this if they're then going to jeopardise their futures. So, But in the same way that I think medical schools need to be realistic about this, they need to be honest about this and not try and scare their students into just into with over... Um, uh, into actions that you know essentially scaring their students into doing into not doing things that they can do um i think medical students can i think the medical students need to so the student groups that i've talked to i've talked on i've talked to a few student lectures you know groups that have come and asked me and i have to say i think the students what they can do is they need to focus their anger not on um the medical school necessarily or whoever i think they need to focus all of that energy on talking to the public and talking to their family their friends um and doing exactly what junior doctors do, which is to try and get the message out. Because, frankly, I've probably got maybe a couple of years left, maybe slightly longer now, given this, but um, of my training, I'll, you know, and that'll be me done. Um, it's, this, doesn't, this contract actually massively doesn't affect me as much as it affects you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, and, and we've been clear through this process that we're not going to trade off one generation against another. Um, and the reason a lot of the proposals we're not we're completely un- think are unacceptable is that effectively the government's trying to buy off doctors like me to sell out doctors like you right and they and that is not we we don't think that is acceptable and we think that actually you know anyone below st3 um if you make the job completely untenable for them they in the long term that has a long-term impact on how we deliver care because you guys are going to be my junior doctors one day, and actually, if your job is Im- impossible to do, then it has an impact on me in a selfish way as well. And so, I, I, I'm very clear that we are, um, we are not. That is not an acceptable route that we will take.
Regarding medical school, do you think this situation will impact um, the amount of people that may apply to medical school? I honestly don't know. I think um, the real impact will be seen at... Um, we'll see on, on applications to specialty training this year. I think that will be the, the kind of the first level of how this will impact um, and how people make choices. Um, there is a degree of you know, realism about this, that it's easy for us to, scare, to say something that could be perceived as us kind of scaremongering and saying that, you know, oh, medical school applications will go down. Um, but... Um, because I, I don't think, you know, being a doctor is a fantastic job. I, you know, my job is I deliver babies. I absolutely love my job. It's, um, um, yeah, it's an amazing job, but it's not an easy job. And it's not a, um, it can be, a, it's an incredibly personally rewarding job in terms of, like, for my, um, like, I feel like I've done something useful in life. Um, however, at the same time, you're talking about a, a job that is relatively difficult and stressful and all those other things. So would you recommend a career in medicine to the next generation? Of course you would, because it's, it's you, know, you don't go into medicine for financial reasons. Um, however, um, I think going to medical school and being a doctor in the NHS under this system is two, are two very different things. And so... Um, I think people do make choices, and they, these and the other thing is that these people have choices to make, right? And we need sometimes as a profession to realise that it's not just about um, sticks; it's sometimes about carrots. That actually you've got some very, very, very intelligent and um, educated and and very um, talented people, um, and sometimes in order to actually um, get the best out of them, you need to actually encourage them and reward them the pay protection offer that's sort of on the table as part of the new contract. Obviously that doesn't apply then to students who've not already signed a contract. Um, it doesn't even apply to half the doctors that are currently on the system. So, But it's definitely something at medical school that people talk about because mm-hmm. we see this This is a contract that we'll be signing in our final years. We'll be signing in a few months' time, essentially. Um, and we feel like we're sort of unprotect- unprotected, I guess. There is a certain frustration, I think, a lot of people... Like you were saying before, if you are registered and employed and a member of the BMA, then you have a certain amount of protection offered to you by the union. And we're in this kind of awkward sort of in-between stage where we're really keen to get involved, but obviously there's only so much that we can actually... It's one of those things where... It's the fact that we'll be signing this yeah. first new contract as well as doctors that are already in place. Um, and there is there does seem to be kind of a, a bit of an angst of, Rumours kind of going around of things that people feeling like maybe we'll be unfairly disadvantaged in comparison. I think you will be. Yeah. I think medical students will be. Under the proposals that they're outlining, they want to save money on the long-term staff bill, and that means that compared to the salaries or the, compared to the working conditions and the salaries that we enjoyed over my career, it, you guys will be relatively disadvantaged and in real terms and in, in relative terms. And so, um, yes, I think it, it, that's, and that's the main thrust of what we're saying, is mm-hmm. that we're not willing to... You know, it, it, it would be easy to negotiate a contract that was effectively that just protected the current employees, but I've been, I have been absolutely clear through this process that I am not... Um, that, the JDC I represent and the JDC that I chair is not going to trade off one generation of doctors for another. If a strike does go ahead, um, how do you think this will impact on public relations, largely with the lay public, um, as opposed to, say, the press? Who may okay. have a different I mean, I think the, the fact is that... Um, 
That we, I mean, we are concerned, obviously, with how the uh, the profession is perceived. That's always an, that's an important factor. Um, but I think we also need to recognise that if we end up in a situation where um, we carry on, you know, the government carries on the way it's going, then we will have a much bigger problem with regards to how we deliver safe patient care in this country. And so um, our we have to be clear that the reason for why we're doing this is that we are trying to preempt or prevent a kind of a much bigger problem facing the kind of public and part of our job is to get that message out beyond not just our job part of your job and all doctors medical students everyone have a responsibility to get that message out beyond simply the kind of their own number and actually get it to the general public what would you say is the most effective way of getting the public on our side um i think the the so there's a lot of doctors out there who are really engaging with the public, this whole meet the doctors thing that is going on. Um, the grassroots campaign generally has been fantastic, has been really amazing, it's kept the news, the, the issue in the news permanently pretty much since we announced that we were doing this um, and that's what both medical students and doctors can do, they need to get out there they need to talk to their friends, their family their um, anyone that will listen and explain the, the reality of this situation and I think what we've seen over the last few weeks as the campaign shifted from like very big large kind of protest um, kind of issues in over into um, the actual educating the public phase which is the like these meet the doctors things um, that actually we've, there's a lot of support out there from the gen members of the general public because actually once you get past the media once you get past the newspapers then people actually do you know they genuinely see what the the, the you know the, the reality of what doctors face and regarding the media is there an argument to be made that um, junior doctors and representatives who go on to television and talk to the newspapers uh, may benefit from sort of a brief sort of basic media training to make sure that they keep on message um, and don't provide any information that may be then used to uh, attack them I guess I mean I guess uh, the thing is that most of the doctors I've seen go who have gone on to any form of broadcast media certainly um, and most like written press have been extremely you know they've they've talked from the heart and I wouldn't actually want them to do anything else I wouldn't really want them all poli as polished mm -hmm. kind of Publicists, I want them as talking from the heart as ordinary doctors, and they're a lot about their working lives and their aspirations, their fears, their their hopes and stuff. Because actually, one of the key criticisms that's levelled at um, at the BMA is all about um, about uh, the fact that we've whipped up all this anger and we've whipped it all up and it's made up and we've pushed people into it. And what you know, my job is you know, I, I'm not. I don't have magical powers. I don't. I can't actually convince like fifty thousand people to do something they don't believe in. And so, um, what I need to get across to the government is that actually these are very intelligent uh, people who have have are interested in the in the. They've looked into a lot of the detail themselves. They understand the detail, and what they want to see is the government actually. Um, and their analysis of this has shown that actually they. You know they are very much supportive of the BMA for a reason because the BMA is reflecting their own fears and their own like problems basically. Because it's nice to see real people as opposed to say the government side with a polished sort of PR spin them rehearsing the same lines over and over again. Sure, definitely. Um, regarding the Royal Colleges um, and sort of the bit of furore about whether they have their royal charters removed and. 
um, which ones are for and against. Um, is there anything that you can add to that situation? Um, no, I think, in general, the um, the there's there's nothing really I would add that isn't um, isn't already out in the public domain. I think the uh, the Secretary of State has decided has you know has said that he wants the colleges to come in for a chat and the colleges have gone in for a chat and have talked about it and have reported that publicly um, and we would doctor I think junior doctors and senior doctors would hope that the colleges would reflect the opinions of their members and sort of regarding that and when you're talking about specialties do you think certain specialties will be even worse hit maybe they are now to the shortage. Perhaps. I mean, that's essentially a working contract, right? Any contract that um, that has advantages and disadvantages um, dependent on... Every contract has um, areas where there are advantages and disadvantages and people will make those choices, right? And, um, and so uh, this contract will inevitably have an impact on how people make choices because if jobs are untenable um, in specific scenarios and the contract enforces that or uh, promotes that, then... That will, that will be the result. I mean, from my experience, people doing. I really enjoyed my A and E placement this year, but so many students I really enjoyed working at A and E. But the job will be almost impossible, and it will ruin my life, for example. And the way the contract seems to be working is that it will be made even less attractive an option to be made. I think definitely. And I think that reflects what a lot of students have seen because I've seen some survey results over the last few days that suggest that's very much what students are saying up and down this country. I think even when we were applying for foundation jobs, it'll be interesting seeing how ratios change in Scotland and Wales, because yeah. we know people personally who are applying there now because the contract won't, yeah. won't um, come into effect there, and yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. I know one of my um, colleagues at the medical student last year, who was a commandant at Oscar, he ended up in Scotland. Um, and he's so thankful that he ended up there because he might just stay. Mm-hmm. He was thinking about coming back, but I think he's probably going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go on to, back to sort of final-year students, there's quite a lot of us who um, may be considering leaving medicine altogether and sort of finding another career. Um, what kind of things would you say to them? Um, I'd say make a, make a judgment. Don't make a rash judgment. Um, about leaving medicine. Medicine is still always going to be a rewarding career. Um, I think that that doctors have choices. I think that anyone with a medical degree has got choices and it's up to them to exercise those choices based on their personal circumstances. It's not for me to encourage people to leave. Certainly that's not my job at all. Um, But at the same time I think it is definitely my job um, to encourage people to make good, rational choices about their career given the situation we're in Um, and I would want doctors to choose to stay working in the NHS, I'd want doctors to choose to stay working um, as doctors in the NHS Um, it will make our jobs in the future almost impossible if we see a massive exodus of doctors out of the NHS. However, um, I think people need to make choice, you know, realistic choices for themselves. I think that's, you know, I have, a, I have commitments in my life, and if if it came down to it, you know, if if, it, if um, my job was untenable or undoable or anything else like that, I have. There are things that in my life that are more important than my job, and I will, I would always prioritise those things beyond before my my career. Do you find that the press are a barrier to sort of getting the truth out there and there's a certain element of blocking it from mm. certain newspapers? 
I mean, I think um, any any um, any media has a editorial line. That's just the standard policy of uh, of any kind of press. Um, individual reporters I've met, whether they support whether they support the line the BMA takes or don't support the BMA the line the BMA takes, I've always found them to be professional and they've worked. I've worked with them and they, they seem quite nice. They've seemed, always seemed very nice and professional. I don't have any issues personally with anyone. I think some papers have an editorial line purely because that is the editorial line they've always taken. However, even the ones that are perhaps not the most supportive of uh, the BMA, or, or me personally, have also published stories about junior doctors that have been very positive, and I think that does say something about um, about the, the you know the standing of junior doctors in the society. That even story, even papers that are generally quite you know have have a loyalty to a, the government or have a loyalty to um, a specific minister have been. Publishing stories that show that, um, that, that there is a pro- there is a problem, and it's slightly unfortunate that he uh, that the government decides not to take that information on board. Do you envision uh, a situation where personal attacks on sort of yourself and other figureheads of the of the movement becoming more prevalent in certain aspects of the press? I'm sure, it will. I'm sure it will. Um, when I went into this job, I was very aware that um, the chair of JDC has never. Had this level of support before in the medical profession. It's usually a job you go into knowing full well. That, and I prepared myself and my family and stuff that you know it's a job you go into and you're when you and you can expect a lot of personal attacks, usually by other doctors. Um, and within the medical profession, they usually throw a lot of mud at the chair of JDC. And I kind of knew that was the job I was signing up to. Um, but I had a, a view and a, and I had a, a a goal that I wanted to achieve, which is that I th- I thought what was happening was unfair, and I've never you know shied away from a from expressing my view. I was very aware that it would turn personal. I mean, it, it has to because ultimately, if we're successful, this will be a massive change to how um, to a line of policy that a majority government with no real electoral pressure since they're so far away from a general election and no real ele- um, parliamentary process to block them will have changed their course of action. And that's a, we have to be honest, that's a, it's a fundamentally difficult and different, um, you know, it's a difficult fight to have um, because the government has a lot of power in this. But um, So I was, I was under no delusions about how, what this job would involve, but that's, um, that doesn't... Um, that doesn't mean you shy away from the fight you need to have. So. Jeremy Hunt's consistently used uh, figures regarding sort of the increased mortality rates on the weekend. Um, is there any way that we can engage with the public offering the counter-argument that, you know, that this isn't the case? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's already he's shown to be inconsistently to misunderstand or misrepresent figures. Um, I think we'll see more of that over the coming days and weeks, that people will start seeing more holds in his arguments. Um, I think it's it, a lot of the stuff is already out there. I think just as students, I think, is to, you know, as students always do, look at the evidence and evaluate it and then and then make sure that it's it's spoken about liberally. So.
So we've already talked about the potential for if this goes ahead, maybe a mass exodus, people either leaving medicine altogether or moving country. Um, there's been a lot in the press this past week suggesting that there's a great increase in funding and numbers of doctors required. So the OECD said they need 27,000 doctors, basically. Um, and Christopher Smallwood from St George's Trust said that they need a four billion increase in funding. Um, in terms of the long term for the NHS, should the strike be successful? Does it set a sort of precedent for reform in the NHS being more driven by clinical staff than potentially the clerical staff behind the scenes? Mm. I mean, I think we have to be clear that junior doctors and the BMA are not a barrier to reform. Right? Um, when I work in, in the job I do, I can see day in, day out what the, a lot of the problems that face the NHS. And in my job, I want to solve those problems. That's my job. To, that's part of my job is to try and provide the best care I can for patients specifically and patients in general. And to do that, you need to make the NHS much more uh, responsive to the needs of those patients. Um, however, that cannot be done at the expense of the staff themselves. That cannot be done on the back of the staff and actually making the job the job itself untenable because as soon as you do that you lose the staff and that makes it impossible to do the things that need to be done so the government needs to realize who what the what its problems are and therefore what the right solutions are um, and unfortunately it doesn't seem to quite get that it doesn't fully seem to understand that the the problem it ha faces with the NHS is not to do with the staff and the government has decided to pick a fight that essentially um, is a fight we didn't need to have and it wasn't a fight that the medical profession ever wanted. But the Secretary of State decided this is what he wanted to do and unfortunately the result is a very, very... could potentially be a relatively catastrophic result. And so we need to, as a profession, we need to realise and we need to know that whatever happens in this, we're still going to be the doctors that deliver care in the NHS. We're still going to be the ones that look after those patients and we will always be there for those patients. Um, uh, but ultimately, um, we cannot do... Th it will be far more damaging to allow the government to do things that would be... that would make that, pr that whole... you know, the whole environment just completely unworkable. And that's what we have to do. What, what young doctors do coming through, I would, um, I would want them to make the choices that are good, best for them. I don't want people to d make choices that they're unhappy with or, um, or they don't find rewarding because that makes them... Um, an unhappy doctor doesn't make a good doctor, they just make a body filling a rota. And um, what I really want is uh, people to be valued in their jobs and enjoy their jobs and therefore be really good at their jobs. Um, are there any more questions you can think that you got sent in? I think um, a big issue people keep bringing up is privatisation and whether or not that's in the future of the NHS, whether this goes ahead or not. I think, uh, again, it's not really... My job is essentially, again, I keep going back to it, is to deliver a safe contract. If, if, a, um, if a government has a view that it wishes to take the NHS in a direction that is not the direction that the population is happy with, mm -hmm. then I think it's for us as a society rather than us as a profession to express that view. Um, it's our view on, on those plans. But I think right now my overriding concern is the working environment of the doctors that are in the... Uh,
in the, in the um, NHS. How, I mean, the, the fact is that, you know, if you end up in a situation where you make a job untenable, then um, it opens up other problems, and, um, and those problems then can evolve into solutions that we might not personally like. Mm-hmm. So anyone that has concerns about how the NHS is modelled and how the NHS goes forward need to be aware that the only way we are going to prevent many of those things is to have a empowered group of doctors that can stand up for the NHS, stand up for their jobs, stand up for their working lives and make sure that they have a um, uh, you know, an environment that provides really safe care for patients. Absolutely. Definitely. And I guess if seeing you know, the unity behind junior doctors, I guess, the government would be less keen to have that conversation with the public as a whole regarding privatisation, knowing that the staff are so unified that the public will definitely be behind something. Because the NHS mm. is definitely something with the public yeah. that touches a nerve, mm. definitely. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that is the end of our interview with Dr. Malawana, the JDC chair and the medical student founder. A written transcript of the interview can be found at themedicalstudent.co.uk, as can our contact details if you want to get in touch about anything. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it.